Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to a new episode of Dive Deep with Lavinia. It's your host, Lavinia. And today I am so happy to have one of my, how do I say, top, one of the most popular guests recorded in all the episodes that I had. Um, welcome back, Carrie. Hi, Lavinia. How are you? I'm doing great. Hi. Um, so crazy. Um, actually, if anyone uh, don't know about it, I'm actually a few episodes away until ending season one of Dive Deep with Lavinia. And then we're probably going to start season two in next year. Next year's time. 2020 is a really messy year, but we're going to end it a little bit good at the end of 2020. But um, I just have been thinking we have to end this year with bringing back Carrie on the podcast because we had such an amazing session last time talking about you know, our dreams and stuff. And I've been getting a lot of replies back after listening to that episode everyone was like this is such a good episode I heard oh so much <laughs> it's like so wise and it's like okay. I'm so flattered Lavinia I'm so flattered that everybody wants me to come back I mean I must be like so popular among you know your other fans <laughs> I'm joking I'm trying to be humble here <laughs> but I, I I know but we have such a good chemistry and good bringing out a good podcast episode so mm. after that one episode we have been you know texting and I've been thinking about like we I have to bring Carrie back to the podcast and so we were thinking about what's a good topic to talk about and Carrie brought out this really good topic which is um staying away from toxic people so you know if we talk about just like toxic itself many of you guys probably would think about like oh somebody who's like very abusive physically or um somebody who speaks very disgusting words or language towards you but I think we have some kind of definition for, you know, somebody who's toxic for us as in a person. Mm -hmm. And it is really important mm -hmm. for us to, you know, know the boundaries between toxic people and us. So mm -hmm. maybe before I want, before I hear Carrie's, you know, definition for a toxic, probably a little bit of definition from me. Mm -hmm. um, in my life, I think toxic people... Um, around me would be someone who's making me feel very uncomfortable. Um, definitely on a one mm. side is crushing me mentally that, you know, you, mm, after yeah. an interaction with them, it just makes you feel very tired. It just makes you feel any less worthy of what you are originally. Mm. So it yeah. downgrades your personality. It downgrades your happiness mm. and stuff like that and even if you say physically mm. it could bring you a mm. physical headache like that yeah so carrie mm. i really want to know like what do you think as your definition of toxic is i think for me toxic is when you are literally committed to a person or you have a relationship or a friendship with a person which doesn't you know bring any internalized happiness or stimulation or any rejuvenation of something you know that is you 
it's basically toxic is this whole ideal that is projected by the other person and it has like negative connotations towards your own mental and physical and you know psychological well-being and I think in you know, in you know in this day and age in the 21st century there are so many young girls who have literally been led into the trap of thinking oh being in a relationship is going to make me a really happy person and then in the process of finding that person they lose they lose themselves and then they become almost accustomed to like being subservient towards that person like for me that can happen to both you know female or male genders it can happen both ways like that's the way i define toxic that's the way that i've experienced toxicity like the reason why at the moment i'm able to create you know the poetry that i do be able to exercise spontaneity even within you know my dance and my movement therapy is because I'm not committed to anybody. I'm just accustomed to literally serving myself. And yes, in a way, it might seem selfish, but for me, it's not even about putting my happiness forward. It's basically putting me in, you know, in a very like neutral like mindset of just being emotionally stable. I wouldn't even say happy at this rate because given the pandemic, I don't really think you can truly be happy or be accustomed to accessing that ability to be happy so for me it's just being neutral and stable and to be able to you know go on with the day without having to talk or answer things to somebody it's almost like toxicity is when there's like a constant interrogation literally ruling you with like an iron rod it's really painful emotionally physically and mentally and you know i'm i'm a lot more better now that i'm not committed to anybody so that's just my little take on it yeah i think everyone has their own process of having someone who's um hurting you or i don't know whether intentionally or unintentionally um it's really important for ourselves like for our own mental health to be able to define who is causing this toxicity like around you um i'm gonna i'm gonna let you you know talk a little bit about your experience with um toxic people um actually there's a little bit uh different in this podcast from what carrie is going to tell everyone and what i'm going to tell everyone because unfortunately i haven't been in an actual love relationship Mm-hmm. <laughs> yet, so mm-hmm. <laughs> There's plenty of fish in the sea to choose from. Just hook them onto a fishing rod. You'll find somebody soon enough. But anyways, that's not on my area. Um, but I'm going to tell, I'm definitely having some really toxic, um, I don't know, I shouldn't even say friends at at, at at the most well associates is that the word mm-hmm. they used to be friends or they used to be you know quotation friends um but yeah. we're going to talk a little bit of different perspectives you know bringing you mm. that anyone yeah. around you could be toxic to you so mm. yeah i know it, it's it's not good to you know spread some salt on like it like wounds but if you're if you're okay you it's know, just providing about. providing insight you know on on this on this matter because i think that this mm-hmm. is a matter that you know it's so blindsided in this century in the 21st century yeah so yeah did you did you had some really really bad like li- relationships before 
Yeah, I definitely say, because growing up in Hong Kong, going into an international school, I went to a school called West Island School, and I'm pretty sure whoever's listening to this podcast knows the sort of person that I was back then. Like, I was really shy. I couldn't string together a sentence. The way I'm talking now, I wouldn't be able to do, like, eight, nine years ago, because I had such bad social anxiety, literally, like, digging Mm -hmm. at, like, the back of my head. I didn't know what to say. Like, I... I'd cry really easily and that really affected the way I would interact with boys because I did think I was into boys. And then I came to the to University of Exeter and it was really free to do whatever that I didn't have, you know, any restrictions imposed by like my parental interference. I had my own schedule, I had my own classes. I basically sort of didn't really know whether I wanted a relationship or whether, you know, I just wanted to, I'm going to put this, you know, politely and most subtly as I can, because I know this is PG, but I adapted quite a bohemian sort of like attitude towards the other gender, if you know what I mean. So I was basically seeing multiple people within a week, but then in terms of relationships, I had four, how many relationships? I had, no, not four, I had three relationships. Wow. And they were all toxic. They were all so toxic. Oh my. I remember, like, the first relationship, it ended after three months. And I remember just beating myself up, thinking, what have I done? I must have done something really wrong. Because I was used to, at the time, being really subservient towards men in terms of, like, what they wanted. And I felt like that was what, you know, a woman was supposed to do because, you know, being brought up being half Asian, there is a part of you that doesn't really allow you to exercise that sense of like free speech, just spontaneity or freedom with your actions and what you do. And then the second relationship was pretty much screwed from the very beginning because I jumped headfirst into that relationship once the other one had ended because I was back, you know, on dating applications and I was just trying to fill like the blank spot that you know was left by my ex and that didn't turn out great either it was becoming more and more possessive and it was becoming more and more of like a continual interrogation of like what I could do what I couldn't do and I really like I fested in rebellion like my parents know how much I rebelled as a kid and like in hindsight, in comparison to like European standards or like the UK standards, it's nothing. It Mm -hmm. was just breaking from tradition. But you know, I fested in rebellion because it was the only way that I could mentally cope with that, I'm gonna call it disease of a human being. I don't even wanna say his name because I don't even think he deserves it. Mm -hmm. And then the third relationship happened at the very beginning of lockdown and I was giving advice to all of my friends saying do not get into a relationship during lockdown because if it ends, you're just going to feel really, really deflated and really, really defeated. Mm-hmm. And the toxicity that was brought on by that was the same sort of control and, you know, a cu- like making me behave in a way which I knew wasn't me. Because at the time I was writing, you know, poetry. I was, I, I was in the process of writing Backbone. And he was just mm-hmm. being like, why isn't there enough poems? Why isn't there poems about me? Why is there not poems about, you know, me and you doing 
things why isn't it was always like why he sounded like a seagull by the end of the relationship because that's literally the only word I accustomed my ear to hear and it was so frustrating I just said you know what it's because believe it or not you aren't the inspiration that drives my writing what drives my writing is first-hand experience but believe it or not it's not always love and, int and intimacy and you know frankly that's not really my problem so then he mm. flew off the handle and started like targeting like me in a way which made me feel really vulnerable and small and he said you know like I will never understand why you'll never want to be with me like so many girls would kill to be with me like that sort of like to toxic masculinity sort of mindset narcissistic and narcissistic really like trying to like persuade me but doing a really bad job of it like I wasn't buying any of it so, you know, all three of my relationships are doomed from the start. And I think in terms of, for me, the most compatible, I wouldn't want to say relationship because me and him didn't want to put labels on anything. And, you know, we still don't because we don't really know what we are. I haven't seen him in a year and he means a while to me. He was actually the first um, photographer that took my, um, took my picture, um, mm -hmm. student photographer in university. And I guess I fell in love with the way that he, like, photograph the world and I, how I could see it through his eyes and we bonded through that and um, that's the most sort of like compatible sort of like not I wouldn't say arrangement but sort of like compatible friendship and you know just commitment based thing that was drawn upon love that I've ever had in my life and mm. to really be at a low point in my life when I'd found him I was really lucky because if it wasn't for him I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have, you know, started modelling. I wouldn't be writing the poetry that I write now. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably, I'd probably still be here, but I'd be in a very different mindset that probably wouldn't really show my creative potential as, you know, a contemporary artist. I'm not trying to big up myself, but that's the way that I sort of like recognise myself. So yeah, that is my take on toxicity, boys and relationships. Wow. Like with that experience, um, I don't know if I should say why I'm very lucky not to have met any any guys that have been like that before. But I mean, after, you know, always like listening to, I think for me, with a lot of my take in love relationship is usually from my friends. Um, I've heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of experience. Um and I think not bashing on guys in any kind of way, but mostly when I hear from my friends, it felt like, you know, what it gives off from me is not that equality between a love relationship. You know, it, in a relationship, it really matters is whether, you know, you respect each other on a basis, but a lot that I've heard back is like this girl is just dumping her whole mind and her whole soul into this relationship to mend this relationship to take her importance and show that you know doing everything for this guy is how I show my love for him um, I don't know if it's our culture or anything like that, but it's just feel it just feels like every single girl, like my friends, have been going through that, have been showing so much of submissive 
um, personality. It's subserviency. It's for me the way that I see it. It's an Asian trait, and this is not like trying to attack on you know boys that are white. But I feel、mm. like because being Asian, you sort of like become accustomed to being submissive, subservient, and being very like vulnerable and being told、mm-hmm. what to do. Because if you know the difference in the color, there's this whole inferiority of like. White versus colored, you know, because I'm mixed race. I am a colored woman. I felt like that was the part where I felt the most attacked because it was like they could tell me what to do because they had the upper hand of being white, and you know, it doesn't exactly work like that. A relationship doesn't work because of labels. A relationship works because you have a compatibility in love and trust, a compat、um, a physical compatibility and intimacy, and you know, the way that you know you stimulate one another. But it's also your interests, your hobbies. It's not just the labels. Once you put labels on anything in terms of like advertising on social media, advertising it, you know, putting a relationship status on Facebook, the relationship is killed from the very, like, beginning because now the relationship is not projected through your own intuitions and intentions, but it becomes projected through you know the watchers and the viewers, and then for somehow.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes a little bit like the Truman Show, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's just like public. It becomes a pastiche.、Show. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a pastiche on comedy. So whenever things go wrong, then they can sort of like speculate, and they'll never know what goes behind closed doors. So they can comment on literally anything. Yeah. But I think the best thing about relationships are those that are kept, like without people knowing exactly who you're committed to. Yeah, because it just it keeps things it keeps things at like a sensible distance, but it also allows you to not really be tied down by like social expectations of trying to maintain you know an ideal an idealized like crystallized perfect like you know reputation on social media. That's the problem with the society. I think we're also wrapped up in trying to. Maintain the sense of like happiness facade, and like、mm-hmm. we've got a good well-being facade. And you know, with the implementation of you know new mental health facilities, like being branched out like across Europe, and hopefully there should be one in Hong Kong. I feel like more people are now being accustomed to saying, you know, it's okay not to be okay, and showing the ugly side of relationships. But you know, that's not really for me to comment on because I've never really been that like public. You know, displaying my relationship on you、yeah. know Instagram or Snapchat, like it was never something for me. But anyways, my, all my relationships ended. But I feel like they always end badly if it's being projected on social media. It just、yeah. always does because it becomes this whole variation of a Truman Show. And you know, at the end of the day, it's almost like how the public dictate your behavior instead of you know having this compatible you know conversation with each other.、Yeah. It just becomes so judgmental and like frigid and re- and restricted in itself, and you know it loses that like sense of spark and creativity. I believe that you know in the twenty first century, every single relationship should be an art in itself. It should should never be like a confine、mm-hmm. or a restriction. I think that's、mm-hmm. for me. That's why I don't believe in like monogamy because I feel like you can't really tie yourself to one person for the entirety、mm-hmm. of your life. You need to. Go through like a whole breadth of experiences, you know,、mm-hmm. with different artists and different professions, and you know, just go on basically be a traveler in your own book. That's the way I like to define it. Yeah, because I think for me,、um, I have I have a religion. I'm Christian, but、mm-hmm. in the Christian knowledge in the religion, it's always telling you that 
Oh, definitely not restricting you. I'm more of the new yeah. side. You know, we're not restricting that you have to get like so many. Uh, you can only get one partner um, b- before you get married yeah. or anything. But but there is like I, a certain sort of like expectation to like keep yourself pure yeah, for marriage. Yeah. And, you know, that's the one thing between me and you that like yeah. it's quite contrasting. Yeah. I think it was just that. Uh, maybe it's like in my opinion because it's it's free but um i think because of that you know talking to date as in getting married is making sure that you know this relationship whether or not we're going till the very end of um this this relationship for example me and a guy whether or not we're going towards the future and a lot of stuff like till we're 80 years old I don't know um but at least it's something that we know that okay this is somewhere we're going to treat this relationship with respect and treat this relationship Mm -hmm. seriously instead of a lot of um people that I see in Hong Kong who's just dating for fun you know dating for just er having that satisfaction of someone next to you or even just like bragging to people like oh I got a boyfriend or something um and and I'm not sure if you know this like term in Hong Kong, which is called uh, chut pool. In, in Cantonese, it's, it's, it's Cantonese. Yeah, yeah. Cantonese is called chut pool. It's always um, a term that has been around me during secondary school. It's basically mm. even during university because I've yeah. been surrounding with a bunch of like Hong Kong people, and yeah, always exactly. people would be saying chut pool, chut pool. It technically means that, you know, you have to get out of this, like, swimming pool of um, lonely people who are, like, single and haven't dated before. But no, originally I when I... completely disagree. I, yeah. I really do. Because, like, not gonna lie, my dating experience in Hong Kong has been, frankly, remotely terrible. Because... Yeah everybody is just so wrapped up in you know this whole mindset of like working hard and driven by success it doesn't really allow you know there to be you know any freedom or exercising of like spontaneity you know with like an art Mm. student so it's so incompatible because you know me doing art being like a contemporary artist like curation a model poet whatever you want to call it trying Mm. to like have a compatible relationship with a banker it's not gonna work out he's gonna be like counting the change and like making sure that like he has like enough money to like finance and stuff but that's literally all this happiness is being you know drawn upon and and driven by and I feel like that's so that's such like an unhealthy ideal being projected on us by you know the previous generation that's how I feel I think one of the easiest way to get pushed into some toxic relationship is by, you know, this, this idea of uh, a pool, because that literally happened to me when I was like on my first year, because, you know, as a girl (laughs) who's like 18 years old, you're out in the wild, you got all your freedom that you want, and you get all the people around (laughs) you who are so much more mature, or they have gone through a lot of experience, yeah, and they will be like, why aren't you dating or like why haven't you got a boyfriend and I think it's why like they don't really have like that expectation it's just you sort of feel accustomed to being like them because you feel like 
the little fish in the big pond yeah, rather than, you know, exactly. the big and, fish in the little pond. And this is just so easy to brainwash your mind to get it into something like a relationship that is just not compatible for you. You might be rushed by all those like adrenaline of, oh, wow, maybe this person is cool for me. Maybe this would work out. But then eventually, you know, I was lucky. But like it could happen to any girl around me. Can I say something? Because I feel like we're going to have like different sort of like views and perspectives on this. So you know how I said that I adapted to quite like a bohemian like um, sort of like behavior during my first and my second and my third whenever I was single. That in itself created problems for me because I'm somebody that gets really attracted to people really, Mm -hmm. really easily. And I find myself having relationships with whoever I've been intimate with and that wouldn't be, you know, great because I wouldn't really like them as a person besides, you know, being invited over to do certain things. Mm-hmm. So, like, I do understand the frustration of, you know, being pressurized to have a specific relationship. But then on the other hand, a relationship is formed not because of the ideals and, you know, the whole thing projected on us by society or, you know, mm-hmm. the people around us, but by our actions. And I think mm-hmm. I had to find that out in the hardware. I had to let a lot of guys down gently and be like, you know, you're great, but this means absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I became. I'm going to say I became a really narcissistic person like throughout Mm. this whole sort of like freedom experience to do whatever I want in relationship to like my like commitment and my, you know, levels of intimacy with different guys. And I felt like it was just so unhealthy because I sort of forget who I was. And even though, you know, I wasn't going on dates with them per se or meeting their family, there was a part of me that was committing and losing a bit of myself, you know, mm-hmm. to like each one of them. So whilst it was like very like a contemporary human experience, I definitely lost myself even without being in a relationship. So I think my mm-hmm. advice to like young girls is if you want to sort of like have like a bohemian behavior when it comes to not really like committing to anybody, yes, it's possible, but don't do it to the extent where it becomes an addiction because for me it formulated into an addiction rather than you know something as like being fun Mm -hmm. carefree it didn't affect my university but because my university always came first but it came an addiction where I was a sense that I couldn't live without it and then I sort of questioned whether I was in a relationship or whether it was just like you know a like a like a physical like a bond rather than like an emotional connection Mm -hmm. so I'd say like within the three years I've gone through realms of confusion realms of anxiety realms of just continuous breakdowns because i lose myself physically and mentally as a person but also i'd be as a drama student i'd be acting different i'd be acting different characters on each night and it just felt like i was losing carrie i was losing you know the girl that yeah, grew up in hong kong for 17 years and whilst i hate that version of myself and i still do with a passion because i i'm not the way i am now mm-hmm there was literally nothing left of me to claim until, you know, the guy I met last year, like, picked the pieces for me and then found me. And then, you know, we sort of, like, worked together to try and create and, like, innovate, like, this new, like, better version of me. So, yeah, yeah that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's there's always a blessing out of all those, like, mess and stuff. Yeah. Um, something yeah. actually crossed my mind while we were talking about how... Um, 
people spread their you know relationship on social media yeah hoping for mm-hmm. attention and you know hoping for people to recognize this relationship when what is more important is how the two is going to be compatible towards each other and something yeah. flash over my I'm, mind yeah. was um some um you know in korea this is actually mm-hmm. something i th- I don't really like about the Korean media. You know, mm. there's a lot of idols, TV show mm. artists, and they're also humans. They're just, you know, a little bit more popular. I think every uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but somehow in Korea, um if one of the artists are to date someone who's out of the mm. circle or dating someone within the circle, They had mm. to apologize for dating someone or apologize so, for getting married so or yeah. apologize for falling in love with someone. <laughs> And the fans are just crazy about, you know, crazy about, okay, you didn't tell us that you're dating or you didn't tell us you're getting oh, or something goodness. like that. And yeah. that is what I think actually for me i said like i literally suddenly just flashed over i was like do you mind if i sort of like say something about the problems with like um because for me just from like personal experience um Mm -hmm. like in terms of like observing it from other people but also with me as once a relationship goes online in terms of status and photos and whatever and you literally put word for word i love you and you know using all these overused phrases that, you know, could have died long ago, but, you know, we just borrow it from poetry. Um, there's a big window being open, was a big door being open to different elements of abuse, like domestic and like psychological mm-hmm. and then emotional and verbal and physical. And then there's also sexual and like, you feel trapped because you've literally put yourself on a pedestal for everybody to see that you're in this great relationship. So you almost feel afraid to ask for advice or to like run away from the relationship itself. So there is like a element of Stockholm syndrome where you fall in love or you become accustomed to falling in love with your captor. And God knows I've got myself into those situations, even without being in a relationship. And even if you like scary really is, Yeah, even if you like, if you break up and people would be like, what? You guys would look so sweet online and stuff like that. And you'll be like, yeah. okay, am I regretting to, you know, finish this relationship? But at, as yeah. a reality, it was so important for you to stay away from that relationship because yeah, it was I just feel like within you. the UK, I feel like within the UK, people are more understanding and more receptive to things mm-hmm. going wrong because domestic abuse is more, is a, I would say, a topic that has been affiliated with the media in terms of like there has been so many stories about girls opening up about what's happened to them in relationships whereas in hong kong it's like but you asked for it they've been so accustomed to like saying yeah. but you asked for it you know it was your decision and then you become like this victim of like your own actions and it shouldn't be like that and it's not like a, it's not like anybody's a bad person it's just because that's the whole mindset of you know being subservient submissive and then if if something goes wrong then it's obviously your fault yeah there's no one to blame but yourself but i also i've been thinking about like there are also like cases of like young like boys or even just men who's who felt like you know i don't know there's like this term uh, in hong kong that 
it's called Gong Lu, which is like Hong Kong girls Gong who's Lu, like okay. very controlling over their boyfriends. Um, I know what the word but, is. It's called it, the English word is called simp. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't yeah, really <laughs> but just like yeah. being really controlling. I think overall, whether it's girl or boy in a relationship, it doesn't it doesn't like justify either yeah. gender's actions. Like yeah. I'm not trying to make it a sexist thing. Like not guys or act. There are some guys that have the pleasure of being submissive, and you know the girl taking mm-hmm, the upper mm-hmm. hand. And and unless you know that's 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 agreed on like a contract or like that's how they want to formulate the relationship. Fine, but then there's girls literally treat their boyfriends or whether they're committed to like garbage and the boys just feel accustomed to it because that's how they're supposed to i.e. take it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and exactly. it's so i feel like there's so many contemporary versions of what a relationship is supposed to look like and i believe that you know as long as you're both happy it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. what you're doing as long as you're happy it can look really weird to some people it can look really great to people it can look completely abnormal to others but as long as you're happy nothing else matters literally i think i used i used to get a very good advice from one of my friends because mm. i haven't officially been in a love relationship but you know mm. this and that of flirting i have been through but i think one advice that i got from one of my friends i love the advice she's like um you know, you see the pretty side of my relationship, but a lot of the times, all the stuff that goes a little bit like the conflicts that we have, you never see them because I of think course, that is, yeah. yeah, because I think that is really important for a good relationship to happen is that we bring those conflicts to ourselves and we deal with it within ourselves and Mm. also be able to deal with it within the day because we know how important we are to each other and I think this small conflict could cost a lot more if we don't deal with it as um as ourselves as who we are as two person and I think this is such good advice because yeah I think a lot of people it's okay to search for help but you can't Mm. expect your friends to help you everything with the relationship and what yeah yeah. but what what do you think like if you think that this relationship or this person you're being with is decaying your soul, your mental soul, your mental health so, so, oh, so much. simple. Like, yeah. get rid of them because they're not worth yeah, exactly. your time. They aren't, okay, I'm not a believer in like family means everything because, you know, I don't have, you know, the most, I'd say, best relationship or understanding with my family given, you know, class or cultures and generations and whatnot. But if they aren't your family, and if you weren't committed to them, and you haven't even, you know, if they haven't even proposed to you or whatever, and, you know, marriage is a whole, like, suicide storm in its own right, in, in my view, um, you don't owe anything to them, and they don't owe anything to you. It's basically, like, you leave without the deposit you put on it, like, literally, mm-hmm. you just leave it, and unless, you know, you want to return, you both want to return and make it work, then yeah, it could work. Mm-hmm. But you know, if that person is accumulating so much of your time in a way where you are losing yourself, like for example, if I was writing, because I've written Backbone, then I've written an O2 Rising, Projections and Mermaid, if I had somebody that said, that was just accumulating my time and, you know, and mm-hmm. changing my writing style or, you know, affecting my creative vision, 
I would chuck them literally metaphorically <laughs> out of my life. Not out the window because I don't really want to injure anybody, but to be fair, I really would exactly. love to them, like pump some guys because they are idiots. But I would just say like chuck them out metaphorically because they're not worth it. And you know, mm. the reason why I'm able to create the way I create now is because I'm not committed to anybody. I'm just, you know, selfishly living my mm. life, <laughs> looking after myself, looking after my well-being, oh, okay. also, you know, driving my creative vision. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never bad to be alone. Um, because no, it's not. No, exactly. It's like even even till now, I'm not kidding. Even till now that I'm back three years in university, I've I haven't actually been in a relationship while a lot of my friends got into many relationships. And, you know, I still have been getting people asking me, like, when are you going to get a boyfriend? I was like, nope, not going to get my boyfriend right now because what is more important to me right now is my mental health. Yeah. Being free. Exactly. Me creating all my creativity, me building a business. That is so much more important in my mind than anything else right now. So I've been adjusting to that and I feel really great without being like, oh, I have to be trapped in something. Of course, we're not hoping that you'll be trapped in a relationship. But I think... You know that mindset over here about you know getting getting a boyfriend or getting a relationship is so important. I just feel like who cares? Like you're not my yeah, mom. My yeah, mom exactly. is not even like urgent yeah. about it. My dad's not urgent about it. Then why shouldn't you care? Yeah. Like I'm not going to be lonely forever. <laughs> if you're hoping that's no, going to be me, <laughs> then that's yeah. Bad. But yeah, I love how you know we're getting through all this like knowing what is right for you in a relationship I think that is either way very important because whether you that's going to be the love of your life I don't know um but what's important is that you're ready to be in that relationship and you're ready to be committed even whether short time long time whatever the case is whether you're committed to love this person and relate and respect the person that is so much more important than being in a relationship yeah Yeah. I completely agree well so we're gonna move a little bit on to you know toxic friends because I think toxic friends are a bit more related to our lives not everyone is in a relationship but we definitely get friends around us we definitely get a lot of people with us and you know people can get a little bit Mm, aggressive <laughs> I could say I can't yeah. say anything else I mean, than like aggressive but yeah, no. yeah I think in my perspective I get quite amount of toxic friends in my mm-hmm. life I couldn't say they are um, abusive or I, I couldn't say that they hurt me in any way I mean bullying case that's not friends okay but um I think someone who's faking their mind and being your friend but then intentionally or unintentionally they're causing your mental health um I couldn't say an exact situation yeah what I felt most what I felt most that I would say regarding toxic is that um making me less worthy I think one of the biggest case in my term is um grades um Mm -hmm. I think because 
I think only after university does my parents understand that grades doesn't mean anything. Um, or yeah. as in a case that I did something and, you know, I've been working really hard. I'm not kidding. I study all the time, but I just, I just don't exceed on that. But anyways, that's not, mm-hmm. not the case. Um, the case is that I tend to get very um, emotionally unstable when I'm being compared with people or I have been in a competition with someone Um, usually in many cases I'm the one who finds the stuff but I've been feeling that occasionally there are some people who they call friends to me but Mm. they keep on sending me a lot of messages asking me one question this one question is how much did you get for this Essay. Oh my gosh. So I hate lame. this. I hate this question so much. The reason why I say yeah. this, this people are the type of toxic people, toxic friends that you should stay away is because your mm. actual friends will never ask you. Or do that. Yeah, exactly. Your actual friends would never ask you this. They would mm. only say, you did a great job. We should mm. go out and have a big meal and just celebrate that we finished this exam or finished yeah, this exam. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to ask you how much grades you're getting. If yeah, there's exactly. someone who's actually asking you how many grades you had, I used to have that in high school all the time, but oh I didn't God, know yeah. back then. Yeah. It just tend to be a Hong Kong high school thing. You're asking around everyone, what's your Yeah, literally. Competition. And then I'd be like, oh, I got 90 marks. And you got 80 marks. And then you'll be like, when you got 80 marks, you're just like, oh, shit. Where's my, like, 10 marks gone? And you'll be, like, crushing yourself again. So I had, like, Mm. I had a few of these people. I don't know whether is it, like, people in in others' eye. I'm a smart person. I'm not. But, like, somehow everyone tries to ask me for my grades. And usually I... I used to tell people, but then afterwards I realized that and then I don't tell them. But yeah, then they exactly. keep on telling me their grades. And yeah. the moment they tell me their grades, I just went like crashing down. Yeah. Literally, like I felt so anxious. I feel so unworthy. And I start mm-hmm. hearing all these voices in my head. Um, that's just telling mm-hmm. me like you're stupid, you're less worthy. Why did you spend all those time doing something else when you knew you're supposed to do this? And I start doubting yeah. my ability. Oh like, god. And yeah, no. that is exactly what I think the toxic friends are gonna cause you to think that you Mm. are someone who's not worthy especially with competition competition i think good competition is when you compete with someone but that person at the end would tell you that you did a great job i really appreciate what Mm. you did on this aspect i couldn't do it um we should Mm. learn from each other but toxic people in a competition would always be telling you like oh, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. They didn't even ask you whether you did something or they did never really mm-hmm. um, appreciate that you and this person and them are different people. Even if we are studying the same subject, we are different mm-hmm. individuals. 
and we have yeah, different I know. things that's within us, right? So yeah, no, I was gonna say like that yeah. was definitely a big thing in secondary school. Everybody asking, "Oh, what grades did you get? What grades did you get? Mm-hmm. Oh, how how many marks did you get?" And I was just like, "Yeah, I got forty percent." And what are you gonna do about it? <laughs> like I was a sort of kid because I was so abysmal, really remotely. Mm-hmm. It like remotely stupid at like understand the logic between maths and science. Everybody get like ninety eight percent. I'll be like, yeah, scrape by the fifty. Yeah. 40. And yeah. I literally remember it like funnily enough. I wrote on my last physics exam in year nine. I said, I don't even know what I'm doing. This isn't even applicable to me anymore. I just know mm-hmm. I'm an idiot. Like I got into so much trouble. And then everybody was like, oh my gosh, like, why are you wasting the teacher's time? And I just said, it's like, it's not my, it's not, I was like, it's not my fault, I'm dumb. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just think like, because now I look at it, we have to look at it like this. Those people that, you know, got 45 out of 45 on the, on the international baccalaureate, those people that got A star, A star, A star, you know, in the GCSEs, you look at them now and they're just really, they're lost because they, after all, like the accumulation of the grades, they don't even know what they want to do with their life. Mm-hmm. They're so yeah, lost. Whether exactly. like someone like me, like really, really struggled, it was pretty easy to break out of that academic bubble, and then you know, find work, find you know that I like poetry, I like modelling, I I do dancing, movement therapy, and I'm just so blessed that I wasn't brought up with like an academic mindset. Like I was dumb I was really dumb in secondary school I said some dumb things I did some dumb things but academically I was also very weak I was only strong in like subjects like languages history and the arts maths and science um yeah pretty much abysmal yeah yeah I I think eventually what is precious for us and for people who knew when they have to leave toxic people mm. is that yeah. we we know what we need and yeah, we know exactly. what is best for us um, yeah. especially on this mental health side i think that i really i'm not honestly i'm not good in psychology but i i felt really a precious thing for me is that during my time studying psychology, it wasn't the course that made me knew more about myself or mentally knew more about myself. Mm. It was the people and the experience that I had during that period of time made me realize more about how I should face my own mental health and that mental health was never a problem for me. It was never a cause to make me any less worthy. It was actually something that I should be proud of, that I realized Mm -hmm. about myself. I could get out of that pain that was used to be with me, and I knew what to deal with. I knew what to do for myself, and I actually had a clearer path for myself I think for you as well like we knew what was best for us instead of being around those toxic minds and toxic thoughts of telling you that your future is to Mm -hmm. do what we say is to do what the standards gives you um even right now I've been struggling a lot about you know sustaining financially I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. it was you know me going out to get a lot of different things to do or I'm working on my own craft people Mm -hmm. 
in normal, if toxic people would definitely come and tell me that, why aren't you getting a stable job? Or why aren't you, yeah. you know, doing anything that gives you more money? People are getting three, um, 30,000 a month and you're what getting like 4,000 a month. And I think that if it was the past me, I would feel very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I would feel like, wow, what am I even doing? Like, why am I earning more money? But I remember my my cousin, one of my cousins from US, she sent me a message the other day and she was like, keep on going. I really love um, how you're working hard for what you're mm. being because she's an entrepreneur. And she told yeah. me one one word. It was like, never ask those people who are getting stable jobs for advice in life. It's because they never knew yeah. what an entrepreneur has to go through, how many risks and how many ways they have to trip themselves to get to a mm-hmm. small, small step of a, not even called success, but a small step of getting what they really want. And yeah, exactly. it was never meant to be easy. If mm-hmm. if you if you're meant to have an easy life, then don't do all that. Don't yeah, don't exactly. do don't do art. Don't do poetry. Don't do yeah. craft. But when we think about that, when you think about mental health and stuff like that, you think that are those like men um craft, poetry, modeling, dancing, yeah. those makes me happier than me stuck yeah. in the office. And cry every day. Do you know what's really funny you say that? Because some people say to me, well, isn't art a mental illness in itself because you literally can't do anything else with your life Mm -hmm. but just commit yourself? And I said, no, but it makes me happy. And it drives Mm -hmm. this this fire in me, which, you know, stapling papers at an office would literally just make my skin curl and, you know, I could watch paint dry faster. And somehow they're offended by that. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. really funny. And like Mm -hmm. they say, yeah, like it's it is a mental illness and i'm just like it's not though it's a freedom to express using different elements yeah. of your body i yeah. just don't get people sometimes when they feel like they've got the need to attack you just because they've had a bad day it's like we've yeah. all had bad days during this pandemic don't give me a bad day you know everyone just has their own option of what is really happy yeah. for them some people really like stable jobs like i have friends who's yeah. like i really love a stable job i love being yeah. in an office one from morning till afternoon they're really fine with that but yeah. i think that's everyone's option like who are you yeah. to judge right but i exactly. think i think eventually out of our topic today about toxic people and stuff mm-hmm. i think what yeah. is more important between me and Carrie's idea of life is that what is more important is our mental health. We yeah, always exactly. go through a lot of downfalls during our mental health. Yeah. We're not yep. perfect people. But what is more important in life is how we feel internally. And we don't yeah. feel tired. We don't feel this, the, the pain from mm-hmm. not being ourselves. And yeah, because yeah, I've been hearing a lot of stuff lately. And um, one thing that I've heard, it just made me realize is that currently human beings are just stuck in this process of being materialistically satisfied mm. or stuck yeah. in this process of being, I have to get to a certain standard. But actually, lucky for mm. us, um, me, Carrie, we are going towards an 
other level of uh, one more level yeah. that all human beings should be walking towards is the getting the mental health and getting the peace in your heart getting to know yeah. what is best to heal your heart and heal your brain and loving your internal self because yeah. that is where we should all be reaching to mm. to understand that all this in this world all the things that you're experiencing is just an experience you know it's just a process yeah. in life and if you're stressing so much about getting others approval or getting others to put a tick in your life then you're just being another person i can say another zombie in this world you know yeah <laughs> exactly the one who's just moved by people's words and people's be behavior like that so yeah that's my take on on you know toxic people and mm. you know getting away and learning what's best for you, you yeah <laughs> yeah so i love this this topic went so much better <laughs> than when we yeah, originally exactly. thought but yeah it is just at the end we really want everyone to know that you know you should know when to cut the line and yeah cut the thread yeah what do you think Kay? well i mean like come on it's pretty obvious <laughs> if you're an, if, if you're like me as a contemporary artist or if you're just somebody that is drawn to a certain thing and that person doesn't allow you to commit your love and your passion and your drive just mm -hmm. cut them out they'll have mm -hmm. so much fun literally <laughs> like playing you know whatever video game like they want like don't let them play their games in your life that's selfish mm -hmm. don't let them do that be the curator, be the artist, be the dictator of what you want to do in your life. That is how you determine mm -hmm. self-satisfaction, eternal happiness, internalized peace, and, you know, a more positive direction towards, you know, a more stable mental health and positive well-being. Mm -hmm. That's just my advice, literally. <laughs> yep. One easy sentence, just cut them away if you think they're toxic, right? It doesn't really matter <laughs> how how much they're affecting your life mm. if they're really affecting your life just cut them off right mm. thank you so much carrie i love our, right, our, our this is this always talking with you i just learned so much and for both of us through every time we do a podcast whether or not it is you know showing to everyone out there you know whether you're listening to this or not it's just been yeah. a process for me and carrie to just filter stuff out you know yeah a lot yeah we absorb a lot we're like a sponge we're flexible but this is always the right time for us, you know, squeeze out those yeah. bad stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I really love today's topic. Um, I hope everyone who's listening to this podcast would love the topic that me and Carrie talked about. I think she's very wise and she always has those really, really good ideas and experiences um, and just words to share with everyone. And I hope you guys love this episode. And if you do, Please like, subscribe, 
and definitely listen to the episodes. We're a few episodes away until ending season one, but definitely go back and review some of the episodes. Definitely review the episode me and Carrie did before because it was so good. It was good. Like, it was so, so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Underline, highlighted, exclamation mark, Exactly. Um, it's... It's amazing to meet all these people who love to share about themselves. And we learn a lot. I I mean, I I learn a lot. So hope to see you guys soon in the next episode. Bye.